0: Oh,
1: Chapel we're so glad that you are here and you know this joy we sing about is an everlasting hope that one day our Savior who has saved us from our sins will come back behold he comes he's riding on the clouds and shining like the sun oh hold up real quick you guys know the actions right come on up come on up There's actions, right? There's actions. The Bible says we can praise the Lord through dancing, right? So let's praise the Lord through dancing this morning, all right? There's some actions. Come on, you're in a suit. You should be up here. You should be up here, right? Let's do the actions to this song. And and the girls, believe it or not, If you are part of their family, I'm sure you'll be watching. But they're going to do the actions as well. And so there are some really cool motions to this song. Behold, he comes riding on the clouds. He's shining like the sun at the trumpet call. So lift your voice. It's the year of Jubilee. And out of Zion's hill, salvation comes. They can't see the actions. Can you step up here for us? All right. All right, but if they're up there, you got to do the actions with them. I think, Tim, Tim, if they're up there, that means you have to do the actions, right? <laughs> <laughs> Behold, he comes, riding on the clouds and shining like the sun.
0: At the trumpet call, so lift your voice. It's the year of Jubilee, and out of your salvation.
1: These are the days of Elijah, declaring the word of the Lord.
0: And these are the days of Elijah, declaring the word of the Lord. And these are the days of your servant, Moses' righteousness being restored. And these, Lord, these and are days these of trial. Crying, prepare ye the way. All right, are you ready? Behold, He comes. Behold, He comes. He's riding on the clouds, shining like the sun.
1: Turn around and welcome somebody to church this morning.
2: a couple of announcements I uh, want to make this morning first of all there is a white church out in the foyer and um, if you care to donate to Caitlin smiles uh, to help supply door hangers uh, please use that white church Uh, also there's an Iwana meeting after the service this morning um, for those volunteers who have been involved in the program Um, so don't forget Uh, to join us after the service this morning. And then at the bottom of your uh, bulletin, on Sunday, April the 28th, uh, we're going to have Vision Sunday. Vision Sunday. And it's going to take place during the service itself. There are some very important and very exciting changes that are going to take place in the Word of Life Chapel this year. So I encourage you Uh, to make sure you're here on that Sunday. Now, come all through August, uh, or through April, um, but this is going to be a very special morning. There's some information that uh, we're going to announce to you, and you need to be here to hear that. Uh, So please make a point to be here on that Sunday. Jared has an announcement to make this morning. Here he comes, our new treasurer, Good to have Jared aboard. Thank
3: you, Jared. Thanks for the welcome. Uh, I just want to make everyone aware we've begun using online giving. Uh, it's through the platform called Tithely. It's, we're not discouraging people from continuing to write checks or cash, whatever's easiest, but we just know how busy everyone is and we thought this would make things a little bit easier. It's very simple to use, user-friendly, um, has securities that you don't have to worry about your information being disclosed anywhere else. Um, as everyone mostly has a mobile phone, smartphone, tablet, whatever it may be, go to, uh, you can go to your Play Store or App Store, and it's called Tithely. It's T-I-T-H-E uh, period L-Y. It's a green application with a... <laughs> it's a green application with the leaves kind of coming out of the smartphone. Very easy to use. You download it. You just search Word of Life Chapel at the very top and allows you to give. Uh, you can do recurring, so you can kind of set it and forget it, so it'll just automatically withdraw from your checking account, your credit card, whatever it may be. Um, very ed- easy to use. I did want to throw out there, there are small fees associated with it. Um, so for instance, if you had $100 taking out of your bank account, Tidally would charge a dollar or 1% plus $0.30 cents for each transaction. So if I took $100 out of my bank account, um, the church would actually get $98.70. There's an option where you can foot the fee, where you pay more, so then it'd actually be $101.30, but that's just pretty straightforward, pretty easy. But again, if anyone has questions, uh, please feel free to reach out. It is really easy, really easy to use. Right now, um, the setup is only to give to the general fund. In the coming days slash weeks, uh, the plan is to get it to the benevolent as well as special projects, so again, just a lot of work in progress with it. But it is up um, to you, so feel free to reach out any questions, but that's kind of all I got. Thank you, guys.
2: Goodness, an applause uh, before and after. (laughs) Take your hymn book and turn with me, please, to hymn number 344. Hymn number 344, Be Thou My Vision. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart, not be all else to me save thou art, thou my best on my day or by night waking or sleeping, thy presence. Thank you. I may refer to our prayer sheet this morning. Uh, do continue to pray for Kathy Strawhecker. Uh, she this past Monday had eight inches of her colon removed. Uh, I'm not sure of all the details taking place there, but um, do pray for Kathy. I know uh, so many of you uh, know her well. Chris Miller, we need to continue to pray for Chris. Uh, Donnie had given me an update this morning. Uh, Let me try and remember uh, what he uh, shared with me. Uh, First of all, there is no infection in the bone. Uh, The heel of her foot had a procedure, but they did discover through an MRI that there is no infection in the bone. Uh, She does have a long road ahead of her, but the doctors did say there is hope in saving the foot, and that's the big concern. Um, She's in good spirits, and uh, Lord willing, um, she's watching us on her Kindle this morning. So look back here at the camera and all say hi to Chris. You know, it's an interesting thing to be away from the church like we were last Sunday, and to be able to sit in Williamsburg and watch the entire service. Uh, when you go away on vacation, make sure you uh, have the, the, the site or wherever you go into it, um, the, the men have to help me. They just got send me a link. They say, they have to make it simple, right? <laughs> just click on this link and it brings you right in. But um, you know, it, it, it kind of shines straight this way. Uh, so if you're sitting over here, you can't see any of that or here in the middle section, but I was watching Summer she stood up during greeting time and I could look right into her eyes I saw uh, Marlene and Elsie they greeted one another Uh, I even saw my grandchildren who sit way back here Aiden and Brinley and I didn't know this but they during the greeting time they come over to shake the hand of Bob Ozenbach right (laughs) so I, I didn't see him walking this way but I saw him coming across here and then I saw him walking back um, so it's very interesting. It's amazing to me, uh, this whole thing of technology. And, um, but it's a great thing. And so don't forget, when you're away, make sure you have the link or whatever you need, and uh, you can watch the entire service. So Chris, our prayers are, are with you. So let's... Yes? Yes? Okay. Okay. Good. I I text Kathy and she didn't get back to me yesterday. Um, so we think maybe she's home and up she's up walking now and and um, and and <laughs> And who is this? Jerry Weest Okay. one because it's Okay. Sure, sure. Okay. Well, thank you for that. Let's come before the Lord now and uh, ask the Lord to uh, bring healing and bring strength to these who so desperately need our, our prayers. Father, as we come before you once again, as we do during this service, Father, we thank you for the privilege and opportunity that is ours to be able to come once again before your throne, knowing, Lord, that you are always there for us at every moment, at any time. You're always there, Lord, to come and give strength, to give encouragement, and to give comfort. Father, we do bring before you uh, this man who Tim has mentioned, Jerry. Uh, We pray, Lord, that you would strengthen him now as he's been diagnosed with, with cancer. Uh, Father, I, I think as well of Kathy Strohecker, and Father, we're thankful for the progress. We do pray that uh, Father, she was able to return home, and we pray that you would continue to heal her. Father, we thank you for Nancy. We do continue to pray that you might uh, strengthen her and lift her up and um, encourage her Lord, in these days. Father, we think of Chris Miller as well. We thank you, Father, for the MRI that showed no infection. We thank you for the doctor that used the word hope in saving this foot. And Father, we pray that you would lift her spirits. We pray, Lord, that uh, as she watches today, that she would be encouraged that uh, we are standing with her, standing behind her, and our prayers, Lord, are being lifted into your presence on her behalf. So we're thankful, Father, that we here in this church, we can pray for many and ask you, Lord, to come and heal and strengthen and encourage as the great God that you are. Father, we thank you for who you are. You are that wonderful God who has promised to never leave us nor forsake us, as Steve has reminded us. We thank you for the very presence of your spirit here this morning knowing, Lord, that where two or three are gathered together, that you have made a promise that you would be right there in their midst. Father, we know that you're here this morning. We feel your presence. We feel, Lord, your presence because, Lord, you are here. Father, I pray that what we do this morning might bring honor and glory to yourself, that as you look down upon us, Father, you might be pleased. For, Father, this service is not about us. It's about you. It's about music and prayer and sermon. All these things, Lord, point to you. For, Father, we're here to worship you and you alone. So remove the distractions, Lord. We know there are many. We know that the evil one is about the business of trying to destroy this worship service this morning. But Father, I pray that your spirit might have free course and be glorified in all that is said and done. You're a great, you're a wonderful God. And we humbly bow before you this morning asking for your perfect will to be done in us and in this service. Teach us, mold us, shape us, help us, Lord, to become the men, the women, the boys and girls we need to be as we're being conformed to the image of your dear Son. And We pray these things in his name, in his name alone. Amen.
0: As a friend, I I have lived in thy goodness. Oh, my.
1: it's easy to look around and and watch the news and and see the things in this world that aren't good and to become overwhelmed by them. But this is our Father's world and He holds the world in His hands.
0: This is my Father's world and soon.
1: great singing This week we're going to look at something from the the book of 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And I'd like to give you a little background in order for you to understand what's going on in this passage. Maybe you're very familiar with with 1 Corinthians, um, but maybe you're not. And and since this isn't a series on 1 Corinthians, we're not going to be digging into the book. It's only one sermon. Um, I'd like to just give you a little bit of information about what was going on Uh, at the church in Corinth. So Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. He's writing to address some of the problems that the congregation, the assembly there, would have been experiencing at that time. And it had to do with evil flooding Corinth and in turn infiltrating the church. As a matter of fact, there was a a phrase that was coined, a verb coined from the evil that comes from Corinth. It was Corinthiazomai. Corinthiazomai, which means to lead a debased life, right? So you're from Corinth. Oh, this word was made up, Corinthiazomai, a verb. That means that you're living a debased life, a life off track. In the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul addresses topics such as sexual immorality in chapter 5, incest in chapter 5, Christians suing Christians, chapter 6, sexual immorality, chapter 7, food and sacrifices offered to idols, chapter 8, idolatry, chapter 10. Those are just some of the things that he addresses in this letter. Now, as we just sang, this is my Father's world. It's easy for us to watch the news, to look at what's going on, and to be overcome with evil. As a matter of fact, I've heard it. This is more evil than has ever been going on before. Let me, let me tell you this. These aren't new problems. Satan might be using new tools to try and accomplish his goal, but these problems have, have existed all the way back into the church in Corinth and before. Right? And God still sits on the throne. So let's find encouragement in that this morning. But, but these, aren't, these aren't new things. These aren't new things. Satan's using different tools, but he's pushing for the same goal, the same direction. He's trying to lead people in the same way, right? Which is away from God. But sin was infiltrating the church in Corinth. The assembly. It was, it was well known that people that were attending the assembly had walked away from the Lord. There wasn't repentance there. This is not new to our church today. Even though we might not talk about it. We might not discuss. WebMD in 2006 said that a new study shows that by the age of 20, 75% of Americans have had premarital sex. This has been the norm in the United States for the last 50 years. 75%, that includes the church. Let's address that. Christian suing Christians is not something that is unheard of at all in our sue-happy culture. right? Everybody wants to make a buck, or a couple million. Idolatry isn't the thing of the past either. John Calvin said, man's nature, so to speak, is a perpetual factory of idols. Idolatry exists today. You might not have a little uh, figurine sitting up on a shelf, but we make sacrifices to things all the time. We sacrifice hours and hours and hours of our lives to things that are not of God, but are things that we Worship, sports, is just one easy one to name off the top of my head. So these problems that existed in the church of Corinth exist today, and and I give all that to you, all this information to you, not because we're going to look at any of those things this morning, but because it gives a background to what Paul is writing in this section that we are going to look at. So this letter was written probably between 55 and 56 AD, almost 2,000 years ago, and problems exist today. Just a little bit different. We have a different prescription than they had at that time. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 18. Let me read through the passage and then we'll break it down together. If you guys don't mind, you got on the screen there. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men. the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Would you pray with me this morning? Gracious God, we are so thankful for the chance that we have to gather together to study your word. Father, I ask that it would be your word this morning. We ask that you communicate your truth this morning and that you break down any barriers and walls we might have up. Father, that we can truly interact with you, the one true God, The God who holds the whole world in his hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Look with me at verse 18. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. If you look at our world today, hatred towards God seems to be growing again, abounding, hatred of things towards God. If you take a stand for anything biblical, you are often called a bigot. Or other, other terms as well that are used... This beautiful message of grace and salvation, of redemption, of sanctification is one that is taken and spun to look as something that is evil. But it is not. It is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Verse 18, we see a very important truth. The word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. I was actually going to have you repeat it, but I think we're having some computer problems, aren't we, in the back? And we've been wrestling with it all day. So the, the cool thing about technology is that you're able to stream video and, and, and share. The, the bad thing is making sure that you get all the kinks worked out because with technology, kinks keep coming, right? Every week, it can be a different issue. And so we have three geniuses sitting in the back, or three stooges. I'm not sure which one it is, but there's, there's some in the back there. They're working hard. Um, no, no, no. They're, they're, they're great. They're working hard on that. <laughs> Oh, we love you guys. We're so thankful for your ministry. Uh, okay, 1 Corinthians 18. So the word of, cross, of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, right? Perishing. So we're introduced that they're to, to, to something here in 1 Corinthians 1.18. There is two possible outcomes after life. Two, that's it. Not three, not four, there's two. You are either going and you are saved and going to live with God forever or you are perishing and you are away from God forever. Heaven or hell, one or the other. There is no middle ground. There is no middle ground. It's something that should lead all of us to take Jesus' command in Matthew 28 when he says this, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This idea, that, that this, this truth that there's only two possible outcomes should lead each one of us to become desperate to reach those who are lost. Realizing that there is no chance after death. Our world around us is filled with people who are separated from God. And if they don't turn to God, they will eternally be separated from God. And my question to you this morning is, what are you doing about it? Because what Jesus says isn't a command for pastors or for missionaries or for Sunday school teachers. It's for every single believer. It is your Christian obligation to evangelize, to tell the world about this message of the cross. Not only to evangelize, but then to disciple. We're going to get into that a little bit later. But I'd like for you to think about that. Think about this. If I got a a piece of paper... And it was a survey card, and I, and I came over and I said, okay, I want you to fill out on this survey card, how many people have you told about Jesus in the past month? What would you write? What if it was within the past two months, or six months, or year, or two years? What would this page look like? Would it be blank? Because there's a whole world of people out there that are going to hell." And Jesus has given us the privilege of carrying the beautiful message of the gospel. Verse 19, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. This points us back to Isaiah twenty-nine, fourteen. the idea that God does things that doesn't always make sense to us or to the wisest, I don't consider myself the wisest, but I know God is often doing things that I sit down and I say, well, what are you doing there, Lord? <laughs> I don't see it. I don't understand, but I'm going to trust. Verse 20. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? You know, the scientific and philosophical community love to trash Christianity, right? Right? They love to pull it apart and and, and totally say things that are not true. Um, Oftentimes they're not able to support with their own facts or their own philosophies and they fall um, short. But you know, the Bible has so many scientific facts correct before the scientific community even discovered them. Let me give you a couple. The earth hangs in space, Job 27:6. The earth is a circle. Isaiah forty twenty two. I actually saw a Fox News article that said there's a flat earth cruise happening in 2020. A flat earth cruise. I think they're going to be sailing for a long time. A long time. 2020. Can you imagine a flat earth cruise? And if you're a flat earth person this morning, let me give you Isaiah 40, 22. The earth is circular. Even if you don't believe we landed on the moon, they were able to see a picture of the earth from space, right? Right? <laughs> Mountains in the ocean, found in Jonah chapter 2. Valleys in the ocean, 2 Samuel chapter 2. Hygiene and water. Israel was, let me read you a quote from a blue letter Bible. It says, the children of Israel were forbidden to drink water from small or stagnant pools or from water that had been contaminated by coming into contact with animals or meat. It is only in the last 100 years that medical science has learned that contaminated water can cause typhoid and cholera. There are so many more examples that I could give you that are in the Bible, scientific things, amazing things that God revealed to his people through his word. But we don't have time to get into them all this morning. But what I want to tell you this morning is this, that God has made foolish the wisdom of this world. I'm truly convinced that there are many scientists who even if they saw and understood the evidence of intelligent design would never admit it. Would never admit it. What about the philosophers of our age? You know, I think that some of the greatest philosophers of our age are musicians. Are musicians. Some of the great philosophy is written in words of song. And and oftentimes it's so simple that we are able to understand beyond some of these deep intellectual conversations that happen. 1962, a new band made their television debut. Do you know who that was? The Beatles, Beatles, right? The Beatles. Let me give you a, a quote by John Lennon to an interview he gave to the London Evening Standard. He said this, Christianity will go. It will vanish and shrink. I needn't argue about that. I'm right, and I'll be proved right. We're more popular than Jesus now. I don't know which will go first, rock and roll or Christianity. Jesus was all right, but his disciples were thick and ordinary. It's them twisting it that ruins for me. You know, I looked up, how many albums have the Beatles sold? CBS News says the Beatles have sold over 600 million albums worldwide. That's amazing. That's amazing. 600 million albums. But but John Lennon must have not been familiar with 1 Peter 1. 24, it says this, for all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. The Bible app alone has been downloaded 400 million times. The app. It's estimated that 100 million Bibles are sold per year. 100 million Bibles sold per year. I saw one statistic that said there's been over 6 billion Bibles printed. Billion Bibles printed. So if you go back into 1960, for some of you who are math people, and take 100 million Bibles and fast forward into 2018, that's a lot of Bibles. I'm not a math person. (laughs) An article on CBN said this. In 1900, there were approximately 10 million Christians in Africa. By 2000, there will be there, by 2000, there were 360 million. By 2025, conservative estimates see that number rising to 633 million, only in Africa. Those same estimates put the number of Christians in Latin America in 2025 at 640 million, and in Asia at 460 million. According to Jenkins, the percentage of the world's population, at least by name, that is at least by name Christian, will be roughly the same in 2050 as it was in 1900. See, we hear, this, we hear this thing that Christianity is dying. It's not. Don't listen to it. The word of the Lord endures forever. God's word is going to continue until God says, enough. My friends, regimes have tried to destroy Christianity Dictators have tried to destroy Christianity, but it's not going anywhere. It's not going anywhere. Verse 21, For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. The Jews were looking for some sort of miraculous sign in order to believe. You mean a a, a baby who was born in a manger, and placed in a manger. You, you mean this, this, this person who came and allowed Rome to crucify him? That's my savior? Jews were expecting something else, weren't they? This, this, rebel, this person that would, would, would cause a rebellion, overthrow the Roman government. The Greeks were looking for wisdom, this pursuit of knowledge. They were philosophers. Philosophers literally means lovers of wisdom. Lovers of Wisdom. But see, the problem is that this message of the cross, it isn't about you and me. It's all about God. It's all about God. Verse 23, But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to the Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. This doesn't mean that God is weak or God is foolish. But instead comparing what is happening. See, even Jesus, this idea, Luther and Bonhoeffer talk about the weakness of God. Right? As Jesus was there being crucified in this vulnerable state, Jesus could have at any moment called down the armies from heaven to save him. He could have chose to felt no pain through the whole process because he's God, right? He's God. He could have said, you know what? They can do whatever they want. I'm not going to feel it. He felt it all. He could have chose to not suffer and follow through with it, but he did. And in 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 that crucifixion, he was in a state of vulnerability. It wasn't that God was actually weak, but that Jesus said, listen, here I am as a human. Paul then goes to some good old humility in verse 26. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. (laughs) Not many of you were powerful. Not many of you were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are. Look at some just some quick examples. You have David, right, this little shepherd boy who comes and kills Goliath and ends up becoming king. You have Rahab the prostitute who saved the spies. See, who, who God uses doesn't always make sense to us. If you have to think of of putting someone as king or someone that's going to go and fight Goliath, you're not going to pull a young shepherd boy. Why wouldn't God have chosen someone of great virtue to be someone that hides the spies? Because the truth is this, that God doesn't always do what makes sense to us. And that's okay. Okay. What about Samson? Remember when Samson killed a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey? Of all weapons to have, why not? (laughs) Of all weapons to have, a jawbone of a donkey. One thousand. In this room today, we might have 160 people. Multiply that by eight. Don't judge me, math people. It's it's unfathomable to me. 1,000 Philistines. What about Jesus? Being born and placed in a manger and his first visitors were the most powerful kings, right? No. A red carpet was rolled out for him, right? No. It was shepherds. It was shepherds. God does not always choose what makes sense to us. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are. Verse 29, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that it is written, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. There are three things that I pull out of this passage to close this morning. Three things. And don't tune out on me. I know it's easy when you hear close to tune out. Don't tune out. But what I see here is that it is, and I'm reminded of is this message of the cross needs to go out to the world that is perishing. It needs to go out to the world that is perishing. And God has entrusted you and me, anybody who surrenders their life to Jesus, to carry this message of the cross. It doesn't matter if you're six years old or 90 years old. Your job as a believer is to carry the message of the cross to a perishing world. Brendan Manning says this. He said, The single greatest cause of atheism... In the world today, the single greatest cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, walk out the door, and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. At the very end, verse 31, Paul writes, As it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. See, there are three things that I pull out. The first one is that when you carry the message of the cross as a believer, you need to expect resistance. Expect resistance. What do I mean by that? Well, it just says here that the message of the cross is folly, or some of your translation would say foolishness, to those who are perishing. I think that's one of the reasons we struggle at times in sharing our faith. It's because oftentimes people are closed. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear how they're a sinner and Christ came to die for them. And that makes us uncomfortable. But if you go in expecting resistance, not looking for a fight, my goodness, it's not our job to force Christianity on anyone. It's our job to tell people and let God do the rest. But go in with a knowledge of what salvation is and be okay if there's resistance because you're fulfilling your part and trusting God to do the rest. The second thing I see is that we must evangelize. In evangelism, our job is to point people to God. Let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. See, our our, our stories of, our, our testimonies, our life stories shouldn't be a pull yourself up by your bootstraps kind of story. It's that God pulled you up by your bootstraps. God helped you get out of that terrible situation. God brought you out of depression and anxiety and addiction. God led you where you are. It's God who does it and it's to God be the glory for all of it. That's who we point people to. It's not, well, you know what? I, I used to do this and this and this, and then I worked really hard and I got here. No, God's mercy, God's grace led me here. See, that's what I think what the world is looking for isn't my story. It's how God has worked in my life and how God is still working. It's the story of grace. It's the story of mercy. It's the story of redemption and sanctification. And the last one is disciples is disciple. If I gave you this same sheet that I walked around with and said, how many people have you told about Jesus Christ with in the past year? And said, below, I want you to write down the names of the people in your life that you have discipled. What would you write? What would you write? I think at times it can become overwhelming for us thinking of what discipleship truly is. Thinking of that responsibility. But Jesus says to go and to make disciples. Let me encourage you. The Lord brings someone into your life. Sit down and pray with them. Open the word with them. It's not that you are some great theologian who has to explain things that have never been explained before in the history of the world. But instead that you go and you say, you know what, I want to share this with you. You know, my granddad, my granddad, he... uh, it was a missionary, and his heart was discipleship, right? And he, he would go out and preach, and at times there um, wouldn't be many people certain places, but that didn't matter, right? He moved back to the United States with, with my nan, and uh, when she passed away, um, this, this guy down the street, young guy, 20s, 30s, um, built up a little bit of a relationship with my granddad, and my granddad would take him every week to Burger King. Every week they'd go to Burger King and my granddad would open the Bible and they just would read through the Bible together and he'd pray for him. See, that's, that's our obligation as Christians. Evangelize and disciple because there's a world that's perishing who looks at the Christian story and says, that's foolishness. And God has given you and me the responsibility and the privilege of being able to share the miraculous work that he's done in each one of our lives. The story of mercy, of grace, of redemption and how he's still working today. You know, when we go on our missions trips and I wasn't lying when I said I was closing but I just have to say this. When we go on our missions trips, we, everybody has to write up a testimony. What's your testimony? Testimony means your life story. How has God worked in your life? And, and at times, the, the answer will be this. Well, Tony, my testimony isn't really that cool. <laughs> I was saved when I was five. You know? Um, I, I, didn't, I, I didn't come out of some drug addiction. I didn't come out of some gang. I wasn't saved from some sort of life-threatening illness. And, and these things that we look for that we think magnify someone's testimony, the reality of it is this, that your story is how God is working in your life today. What God's bringing you through today. Because we all in our lives have hills and valleys. And God is working in your life today. I know he is. He's working in your life today. Whether you are wanting to listen and pay attention or not, he is still working. He is still working. Would you pray with me? God, we are so thankful for your love. Father, we know that you... Father, even at the state of Jesus being on the cross, we're more powerful than our complete comprehension of even what power truly is. We don't even understand what power truly is, God, because you alone are true power. Lord, today we are are here, and maybe on the minds of some today are those who are perishing, those who don't know you. Father, may we not keep our lips sealed any longer knowing that your word will endure forever and it's our job, it is our obligation. Jesus commanded us to go and evangelize and make disciples. It's for every one of us. Lord, give us the strength, the passion, the desire. Give us the longing to reach lost people for you. Father, maybe there's someone this morning in this service that doesn't know you. Father, I pray that you would work, truly work in their hearts. Father, they would not leave this room without speaking with Pastor Bob or myself about what salvation is. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Take
2: your hymn books, if you would, please, and turn with me to hymn number 28, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Let's stand together and we'll sing this as we're closing this morning. Come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of myrrh never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet, sung by these f- songs above Praise His name, I'm fixed upon it. Name of God's redeeming grace. Hitherto Thy love has blessed me, Thou hast brought me to this place, And I know that Thou can bring me Safely home by Thy good grace. Jesus sought me when a stranger wandering from the fold of God. He to rescue me from danger his precious blood. Oh, to grace how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to prone to wonder lord i feel it prone to leave the god i love here's my heart oh take and seal it Father, we do thank you for calling us now to be your ambassadors. Father, you have called us to take your good news out into a world that is living in darkness and needs to hear that there is light. So, Lord, help us not to be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Help us to be bold and help us to share the changes that have taken place in us, and how others, too, can know that same Jesus and have the same hope that you have given to us. Father, we thank you for our good time this day. You are great.